This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. From NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Robin Hilton. Cumbia is one of the most lasting and influential musical traditions of Latin America. Even though it might not be the first genre or style people think of when they think of Latin music. On this special encore episode of NPR's Alt Latino, Felix Contreras and Jasmine Garz break down what exactly cumbia is and why it's remained the musical backbone of the Americas for so long. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Jasmine Garst. And I'm Felix Contreras. That is the sound of my youth. No, that's the sound of my youth. It's the sound of my youth. <laughs> well, it's it's a testament to how enduring cumbia music has been throughout Latin America. That that's the sound of your youth in California and 70 years later. <laughs> I don't think so. It's the sound of my youth in Argentina. You know, it's the sound It's the sound of my parents' music. It's the sound. It's like 1960s cumbia from Mexico. That's what this is. This is Cumbia del Sol. And this particular song was like at every house party, every wedding. Anytime there were more than three Chicanos to get together, this song came on. This is cumbia music. Cumbia is the musical backbone of Latin America. It doesn't matter where you go. I mean, in the U.S., everyone knows about salsa, merengue, maybe, bachata. Forget about that. Everywhere you go <laughs> in Latin America, from Tierra del Fuego, the tip of Argentina, probably, you know, in the North Pole, some, some Mexicans. <laughs> some Chicano snowmen in the North Pole. <laughs> they so- dance cumbia. And today we're going to talk about why that is, why cumbia is really the first pan-Latin party music. Yeah. And and our guide today is Eduardo Diaz, who's the director of the Smithsonian Latino Center here in Washington, D.C. Eduardo, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Felix and Jasmine. Thank you so much. And we want to talk a little bit more about the Latino Center and your connection to it. We're going to talk about that later. We want to hear more of this Cumbia del Sol, and then we're going to talk about where this music comes from and how it got to Mexico and Argentina and Sacramento. And, and how else. it endured through generations. Eduardo, that song in particular brings back a lot of memories, like I said, because it's just it was just everywhere when when I was growing up. Well, that song by Carmen Rivero comes out in 1964, and Cumbia del Sol is one of four or five hits that became very pervasive. La Cartagenera, Cumbia de la Medianoche. Oh, I like that tune. 
uh, la, polla, la pollera colorada, which is probably of equal, you know. <laughs> the, the red skirt. Yeah, and then, you know, que te vas de ronda, which is kind of a, you know, a tribute to Agustin Lara, the great Mexican composer. So when she cuts that album in 64, it really starts the ball rolling and begins the process of, of the conquest of the of the cumbia in, in Latin America, <laughs> wherever Mexicans are for sure. But then, of course, you know, we know all about the way in which cumbia has proliferated all over the place. Well, so so you're saying cumbia started in Mexico, because I've heard a lot of versions, including that it started in Colombia, in no. Peru. The cumbia starts in Colombia. The cumbia is original music from uh, La Parte Costeña, so the coastal regions of, of Colombia, and it begins with a small band that's composed of two flutes called gaitas. And so what you have is the tambora, which is a two-headed drum played with a stick, and you have the tambora alegre, the seguidor, maracas. That is the beginning of the cumbia. Then it becomes orchestrated, and we heard a perfect example of that at the introduction of the show, which is Carmen Rivero. Let's go back a little bit and talk about the origins of it. When we were talking about this beforehand, you had something that really shocked me about the t little two-step. Tell us about how that step originated. The cumbia, its origination is African, and we know that the slaves were shackled. And so for them to be able to dance this music, their leg motion, the motion of their feet was limited by the shackle. So that's why you have in the original cumbia this sort of sidestep with the one foot and then the right foot. If you move the left foot first, catches up with it, but you don't move very far. That's why when you see in the original cumbia, the men are barely moving their feet. It's a real short shuffle step. The reason it's a short shuffle step in the same way with the women is because they couldn't move any further. Teniendo grietes, they had, the, they had the shackles on their feet. I was able to find, thanks to the Smithsonian, Smithsonian Folkways record, we're going to hear some roots cumbia. This is from a, a group called Los Gaiteros de San Jacinto. They're from Colombia. This is a track called Fuego de Cumbia. Oh, my God, that's a great one. fuego de sangre pura que con lamento se canta. And what we're going to listen for is what Eduardo was talking about, the drums, the chanting, and the gaitas. You can hear it all on this track, right?
Eduardo Cumbia eventually moved from Colombia all across Latin America, north and south. But my understanding is it had a really strong impact in Mexico. Is that right? Cumbia in Mexico back, goes back to the 1940s. So that's where you start seeing sort of the more orchestrated form of, of, of cumbia. But it's, it's when, when it goes to Mexico, then it collides with what is there called musica tropical. So you have the collision, if you will, of cumbia with Cuban music. So Montuno, Huabanco, Danzón. And then you have the introduction of horns, saxes, clarinets, uh, trumpets. You have the introduction of the conga, the timbal, and other forms of percussion that did not exist in the original cumbia. And it all coincided with, uh, like, like you said, 1940s, the Época de Oro from Mexico, with the film, the music, all of that stuff collided, like you said. And then in the 50s and the 60s, back in Colombia, there was a label. Jasmine, remember when we were in Colombia, we went to the record label Discos Fuentes? Yes. And we went to their original building and saw a lot of their original recording equipment. Discos Fuentes was the label in, for cumbia in Colombia in the 50s and the 60s. And we're going to play a track that I found. This is something called Rito Esclavo, and it's by an artist by the name of Pedro Laza. You know what's interesting about this is he still got the tambora. That's not a timbal. Right. That's a tambora. Clarinet. the horns big band sound yeah going to hear more from this great conversation, but first, we got to take a short break. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. 
One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. Ah, the satisfying sounds of more sales in your business. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. But you shouldn't have to pay more to scale your business. With Stamps.com, you can import orders from wherever you sell online, find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times, and instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers and stock up on supplies. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier, we were talking about the development of cumbia in Mexico in the 40s and in the 50s. From that era is basically our parents. We're more or less the same age, and that's our parents' era music. That's what they grew up listening to. That was their, that was their hip sound. That's what, that's what they were cool with. And then we get it down to the baby boomer generation, and it gets filtered down. And you know, no one really did anything in the mass culture with cumbia until Los Lobos. And Selena. Selena later, mm-hmm. but uh, and I brought in a track from Los Lobos, so you can hear the way they do it because they they've been incorporating cumbia into their concerts. You know, they're celebrating their 40th anniversary. So that from the beginning, from when I first started seeing them, they do it on record just a little bit, and it was hard to find a recorded version of them doing cumbia. But I did find one from their album called Good Morning Atlan. This one's called Maria Cristina. One, two, a one, two, three. El mambo, esto no puedo negar, pero yo prefiero cumbia, es lo mejor para gozar. También le gusta la salsa, guarachar es sabrosón. Este ritmo colombiano me inspira más el corazón. Es que le gusta gozar, María Cristina bailar, ella le gusta soñar. Pasar mi vida con María por mi lado, disfrutando cumbia rica con mi güerita bailando. Es que le gusta gozar, María Cristina bailar, ella le gusta soñar, María le gusta. 
quisiera pasar mi vida con María por mi lado, disfrutando cumbia rica con mi güerita bailando. María le gusta el mambo, esto no puedo negar, pero yo prefiero cumbia, es lo mejor para gozar. Es que le gusta gozar, María Cristina bailar, ella le gusta soñar, María le You know, we've talked about this on the show about how uh, for Chicanos in the Southwest uh, during the 70s, the, the, to be more progressive was to listen to the to Fania, to listen to salsa, to listen to Afro-Caribbean. Conjunto and cumbia really wasn't, wasn't was part like of the deal. It was like your parents' music. Exactly. It was kind of square. It was kind of hokey. These guys, they just reinvented it for us in a lot of ways. We all knew the music. I played Cumbia del Sol in high sc- in, since high school. I've been playing that song. And they reinvented cumbia, and they do it in a way that's a little bit of the tradition, but in their own stamp. Right. There's a lot of that's a very heavy bass in there. But there's almost like a ska. There is because remember, reggae becomes popular. Reggaeton later. Cumbia, such stylistically, it is structured in a way that it is absorbed very easily. It is. It's a very malleable genre. And so it receives and gives at the same time. So it can receive reggae, it can receive reggaeton, it can re- it can receive uh, you know música tropical or guaracha easily. It can receive the Andean sound. So the pentatonic scale of let's say Andean music, no problem. Chicha comes up. Chicha's born. I'm glad you brought up chicha. Speaking of I chicha, love. Chicha music. And I love the story about how Chicha music is born, you know, with a lot of the oil companies in right. Peru. And you had all these workers going in. And, and, and basically, you know, towns were popping up. Right, in the 60s. In the 60s, right. just because of these oil companies. And then you have these people kind of mingling. In the Amazon, by the way. In the Amazon. So you have these people in the Amazons, in these towns, uh, very working class people mixing with uh, Americans. And and so it's kind of this style that merges cumbia with surf rock and psychedelia because it's also the 60s. Right. I can't imagine. What a trip. And you're in the Amazon. <laughs> yeah. it's one of the, This is one of those uh, musical... This is one of those musical stones that you uncover, and it's like, oh my god! It's like how you would you couldn't even make this up in in fiction, yeah. but in fact it exists. And I did bring in a chicha track. This is from that great label that we love in Spain, Vampisol. Yes. They do such a great job of documenting all kinds of different styles and genres, and they put out not just one but two volumes of of a chicha. And this is a track called Cumbia para un viajito. Cumbia for an old man. Uh, I played it for uh, Eduardo and I. Thank you. (laughs) So what you're hearing is 
that very definitive 60s style guitar, almost tinny with a lot of reverb, you know, kind of like kind of high sound before all the big crunchy guitars came in. And you're still hearing Eduardo, though, that triplet with the weedle and this one. And the conga part is unbelievably simple, but grooves like crazy. It's like just two beats, but it's just... So, so just imagine listening to this in an oil company town in the Amazons in the 60s. Right. But it's interesting to see the, the emergence of the, of the electric lead and rhythm guitars, the, the organ, the synthesizers. Everything becomes electric. And the percussion, percussive element almost becomes very rudimentary here. Very rudimentary. So but it's got a groove, like you say. So we're going to finish the show with a couple of things. The first thing we're going to do is something I heard this summer at the Latin Alternative Music Conference. We were sitting there talking to people, greeting people, and I heard a, a melody that was familiar, but then it turned into a cumbia. And for those of people who are familiar with pop music will understand, this is Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, cumbia-sized, by a guy named Fito Olivares. <laughs> Fito Olivares, wow. This is Thrift Shop. It starts like the original, okay. but listen, it does a little transition that just kills. It just knocked me out the first time I heard it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? I love this. That sax line gave it away. Yeah. It's a perfect cumbia song, that little alto saxophone part. It's got that sonidero bass line, too. Huge. It's very deep. I like this. I love it. Isn't it great? Me encanta, me encanta. It was 99 cents. Another track that I wanted to play was to show how pervasive, how much of an influence cumbia is on all forms of music. This is from a 1978 album by the jazz bassist Charles Mingus, and the album's called Cumbia and Jazz Fusion. And when you listen to the track, you're going to be able to hear horns replicating the gaitas and the traditional Colombian style. And then there's a, a transition where it becomes a jazz big band.
That's Charles Mingus. Charles Mingus. Wow. Wow. You never heard this one? No. It's 28 minutes long. <laughs> no, because it's just this long meditation on cumbia from a jazz perspective. They just go into the big band swing thing. Which is not so shocking because a lot of those Musica Tropical orchestras were huge like this. Multiple trumpets, multiple saxes, piano. Like I said, this is a 28-minute song. We're not going to play the whole thing. But I, I wanted to give it. you an idea of what it sounds like. Amazing. Charlie Mingus was way ahead of his time. I did not know that. I did not know that song. And to close out the show, we're going to play something that you brought in that I really, really loved, and it's called Scrumbia. So tell us about it, Jasmine. I don't know. I discovered this just goofing around online. And basically what he does is he chops and screws cumbia, and he makes it really slow and syrupy and, and thick. And I, and I just think he's doing something very interesting and kind of fusing those hip-hop elements. This is Royal Highness, and this is Scrumbia. given us so much history of cumbia. Are there any new artists that you're just thrilled by? No. <laughs> no, I'm really not. I'm not really thrilled. I mean, I, this is very interesting music, and it actually, it's slowed down to, in the way that's actually going backwards. 
you know what I mean? In right. Time. Because it's almost like a gaita. It's very slow. Like we heard Los Gaiteros de San Jacinto. It's at that pace. I love it. I mean, it's from a dance perspective, it goes back. It goes back to the original cumbia step. Eduardo, thank you so much for coming in and, and sharing your knowledge with us and listening to all these cumbia tracks. When we talked ahead of time, we did talk about doing it over beers, but uh, it didn't work out this time, but maybe sometime why? in the future. Because cumbia goes with beer, man. <laughs> no, it's why not? A, oh, why didn't we why have it not? here? Because our boss is sitting across the glass here in the studio with us. Oh, so she you. wouldn't have <laughs> I would violate NPR policies and protocols. <laughs> That's been my pleasure to be here. I love talking about music especially cumbia. Eduardo Diaz is the executive director of the Smithsonian Latino Center here in Washington, D.C. Again, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Remember, you can hear all of these songs in their entirety on our website at npr.org slash altlatino. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter where the conversation never ends. And tell us what cumbias you listen to. Old, new, who's innovating, who are the classics for you. Just let us know. And don't forget to check out our stream 24-7 Alt Latino Radio at npr.org slash music. I'm Felix Contreras. And I'm Jasmine Garst. This has been Alt Latino. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with their original podcast, Choiceology, hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and more about why people do the things they do. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.